Folks, we're going to go into teaching now. And as I, I have been so challenged, and so has Heidi, been so challenged by this, that over the next few weeks, Heidi and I are going to bring a series of teachings. And I've suddenly, it's almost like, I've read this passage a thousand times, and I've never got it. I've never got it. And then suddenly, just over these last two or three, four, three or four weeks, it's almost like the pennies dropped. And, you know, I've, I've had, and Heidi's had an incredible revelation on this. We, we, it's, it's almost like you get somebody's revelation, you feed off that, you feed yourself, and then you get the revelation. And so we're going to be bringing a series of teachings. Oh, the devil doesn't want us to bring this. I'll tell you that now. The devil does not want you to be walking in this. And we've read it a thousand times. And it's Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. And it's talking about the whole armor of God. And I want you to see this in a completely different way. Because at the end of this teaching, look, the Lord's shown me, the Lord has shown me that we will use this teaching to teach others how to walk in the Spirit. And this is the first step of knowing how to walk in the Spirit. And if we don't apply this, these principles, just this one today, there's eight or nine, I don't know, probably eight or nine, I don't know how many, but we're going to go right the way through this until we get to the end of it. So please be patient with us. It, might take, it won't take just an hour. It'll probably just go over. Um, but be patient because I promise you, this will be life-changing. This will be life-changing. And if we can just apply what we hear today, oh my word, in a month's time, it, we, we will be in a different place. And this is just one. The whole armor of God. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. When it talks about heavenly places, it's talking about the spirit realm. What's happening in the spirit realm says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Isn't it funny? It's mentioned stand three times. And in the next paragraph, guess what word it used? Stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're going to have a look at that. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery arrows or the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take up the helmet of salvation, big one, and the sword of the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
Now, just look at me. There is one point and there's one thing that we're not told to arm. We're not told to defend. And guess what it is? Our back. Why? Because we ain't built to retreat. And we never show our back to the enemy. Too many Christians, when the pressure gets on, wants to retreat. And your back is exposed. And you have no protection. We ain't built to retreat. We're built to take the land. Amen? Right? We have got to stand with our feet girded right into the soil and stand. And no matter what comes against us, we don't take a step back. We push forward as one. The Roman soldiers, in their shoes, in their sandals, they had spikes. And this was adopted right the way through military age. All the shoes that were made by military then had little metal spikes in them. So they could dig into the ground, no matter where they were, and stand and not fall. So folks, Paul is writing this as an ambassador of the Lord in chains, imprisoned in Rome. And we know from Ephesians 4 verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. Let me ask you a question. Who put Paul in the chains? God. God allowed Paul to be chained up and imprisoned in Rome. It wasn't Caesar. It was God. Because Paul says, I am a prisoner of the Lord. Not a prisoner of Caesar, not a prisoner of Rome, but a prisoner of the Lord. Paul went to Rome knowing that his time would come to an end in Rome. Knowing that. But he went willingly because he knew this is where the Lord would want him to be. He knew the will of the Father. So that we can know the worth of our calling. Two things to note here. The first one is, as we move on in God, the satanic opposition will increase. Get used to it. As you move on in God, as you come up higher, so will the opposition increase in our lives. Why? Because you're now becoming more useful to God and you're becoming more of a threat to him, to Satan. He, more than anything, Satan wants to stop you growing up as a Christian. He wants you to be a babe, still suckling milk and not eating the meat, not walking in the spirit, not knowing the will of the Father. Second thing is, as you fellowship with the Lord is deepening, this makes the devil so angry. Why does that make the devil angry? Because at once, one time the devil walked in union with God. In total union with God. He knew what it was like to walk in the cool of the day by the Lord. He knew it. He was bathed in the glory of God as he walked with the Lord. And there's a, there's a demonic principle here. If I can't have it, you can't have it. The devil doesn't want us to have this walk with God. He doesn't want to, for Christians to know how available it is to us. 
to walk with the Lord side by side. And he will mask you, he will put things over your eyes if you've got no protection. He will fire his fiery arrows to take you out of this battle for these two things. Satanic opposition will increase as our relationship with the Lord increases. It's really simple. Listen, I want to tell you, we're not in for an an easy ride. And I don't mean to put fear into you. We're not built to have an easy time as a Christian. We are to fight. We are in a battle. And the Lord showed me last night in a dream that was like a dream that went into a vision about how I was to fight. And guess who was with me? My little boy. Side by side, we took on, as we were crossing over the River Jordan, we had to take on seven satanic spirits. And I don't know if anybody can enlighten me. And I woke up this morning and I haven't had time to research it. How many nations did Israel have to defeat when they went over to the Promised Land? Was it seven? Right. I thought it might be seven. So I was shown seven satanic things that we were, as we were crossing over the River Jordan. There was me and my little boy. He was here, fighting. And I fought with whatever the Lord gave me. And I picked up this, this thing. And the Lord said, watch the one that's trying to encircle you with a sickle. He will do the damage. And what they were trying to do is outflank us. And Joshua was taking this side, and I was taking this side. And I said, Joshua, move with me. And in the dream, I chopped off the head of the one carrying the sickle. And, I, and do you know what? I enjoyed it. <laughs> in my dream, I enjoyed it. Because one, that's one for us. And I was looking out for the next one. And boom, chopped his head off. The other five were thinking, oh my word, there's only these two. And they've just killed two of us. Listen, the Lord is showing us we're crossing over. We are crossing over. But we've got some heads to chop off. We've got some spirits and uh, demonic principles of, of you know, the, the devil to, to chop their heads off. Because when they crossed over, they had some giants to kill. We're not in for an easy ride. This is why... We must put on the full armour of God so that we can stand up and fight. It is absolutely crucial. You leave yourself exposed and haven't put on one of those pieces of armour, you'll be taken out out of the battle. And I'm going to suggest to you, without a shadow of a doubt, most of us haven't put on the first thing, which is on the feet. I'm going to work from the feet up. Or feet and then head. I don't know. Just see how the Lord goes. Heidi's going to bring next week's teaching. So, um, But I'm going to start with the feet. Because, folks, would you go out of the house without your shoes on? Would you go anywhere without your shoes on? The answer is no, you wouldn't. A soldier wouldn't go anywhere without his shoes on. Because if his feet get messed up, He's messed up. And it's the same principle for us. If we haven't put the shoes on, the sandals on, we're messed up. But I'm going to come to that in a bit. There's going to be a massive conflict. And this conflict is going to be the kingdom of God against the occult. I'm telling you, this is against the occult. 
You're going to see the occult rise up, and it's rising up today. This is happening today. And all you have to do is put the television on. Look how many adverts are there that's, that's got the occult. Look how many uh, films are coming out about werewolves. There was something on Jonathan Ross last night, a, an actor. Never looked and never seen him before, but he was a well-known thing in, on television about a werewolf. Look how many things there are for young people to watch about vampires. And this is escalating. Why? Because the devil wants us to say this is the norm. He's getting young people accustomed. Old people accustomed. We watched the beginning of a film last night, you know, when, when we were just sitting there. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, Lord, you know, please. You know, it, it was demonic. It was totally demonic. And Heidi walks down and says, you know, oh, that's really demonic. And we switched the television off. Because we don't want anything saturating our house and allowing it. And yet, how many Christians will watch something like that and not think twice about off? Young people are now going on to video games that are totally demonic. Totally demonic. It makes Dungeons and Dragons, that was a few years ago, seem like kindergarten stuff to watch videos they're watching now. That's all to do with killing and chopping off and demonic. It is, and, and, and it's on our televisions, for crying out loud. And kids are playing with it. The fight's going to be against us. And God is going to raise up a body of people from Revelations 12 that I preached on. A man-child. It's talking about the bride. The true church is going to rise up in this day and take this battle to the enemy. There are so many people sitting in churches, and I don't care whether people see that as a criticism. I'm just going to say what it's like, exactly what it's like. There are so many Christians sitting in church asleep that haven't got a clue to what's happening. Not a clue. But there's a charge upon us. God's giving us a few more bits and pieces to use. And we're going to be accountable for that. He's given us not just one talent, but three or four talents. With, the, with what we've got and what we process, how are we going to use it to increase the kingdom? We're talking about, you know, if this, this passage in Ephesians is talking about the end times. You just have to read back, go back on it, and it says, um, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. It's talking about our day. This is the evil day. And, we, and God is calling us to stand. But we've got to put on the full armor of God. We've got to put on the, the armor of God. I'm going to talk about something now. Do you know, can you remember when you first became a Christian? I can. The age of 28. Everything that I did... See, I just seemed to walk in the anointing in the early days. That no matter what I said, people were coming to the Lord. I was telling all my rugby mates that all of that, I'd become a Christian, I'd change, and they could see the change in me. And, and I was just like a person that was just on fire with God. And everything just seemed to be all right. doesn't matter about the struggles that we were having and the conflict that we were having, but everything just seemed to be all right. 
I never asked myself the question as why until now. When you became a Christian, do you know what God did? He put a hedge up around you. He put a hedge up and he guarded you because he wanted you to learn the things of the Spirit. He wanted you to learn principles of the kingdom. He wanted you to learn the keys of the kingdom. He wanted you to learn how to tabernacle with God. So he put this hedge up that the devil could not have access to you because he wanted you to grow. But you know what God does? And it's suddenly, I, I understand why we've been in such a battle. I understand why I have been in such a battle for over two or three years. It's because God has lowered the hedge around me. God lowered the hedge. Not Satan, God lowered it. Why? Because God wanted me to grow up. To be able to stand on my own two feet and grow up and fight the devil without his protection. And he's saying to me, well, well hang on a sec. Why? Because God wanted us to stand up without any hedge, without any protection, and put on the armor. He wanted us to clothe ourselves with the armor that he has given us in the spirit to put on. So that we can stand. So that we can grow up. That we can fight. Do you understand this? God sometimes causes and allows the pressures and things of Satan to come upon you so that you can stand and fight against that. Because the devil can go to God and say, hang on a sec, God, you won't let me have a go at them. You won't let me have a go at them in this area or that area or this area. You won't let me because you've got this constant hedge. It's not fair. So God says, okay, I'll lower the hedge. Have a go. This is a principle. How do we know? Who lowered the hedge around Job? God did. Job 1, verse 10. Have you made, you have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? This is Satan. You have blessed the work of his hands, and the possessions of him in this has increased in this land. This is Satan. He's talking to God. God withdrew that hedge. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out of the presence of the Lord and we know what happened. We know that God lowered the hedge around Job. I'm suggesting to you today that some of us sitting here have had hedges lowered around us to make us grow up, to stop being babies. And if things don't go our way in church, to leave for the wrong reasons. Things don't go wrong in, in life, we start complaining and murmuring. Things don't start happening in the way that we expect God to make it happen. We say, God, I don't know. I don't know whether you're there or not. Because I'll tell you what, we're spineless as Christians. We've got no backbone for a fight. A lot of us. But folks, for us in bushfire, it's stopped. This will transform us.
this whole teaching will make us grow up and make us stand and make us grow in the Lord. And as we grow in the Lord, guess what? (laughs) Our walk with the Lord will grow. Our relationship with the Lord will grow. And in Job 2, verses 5 and 6, even more of the hedge came down. We saw all of his possessions taken, his family killed, his cattle stolen, you know, all of this, all, you know, all his household things were taken. And then the hedge came down even further. It says, But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Sometimes there is sickness that comes on the body as Christians. For God to say, how are you going to stand? Some of the greatest healing evangelists were the ones that were dying of sickness and disease. And they overcame it. They overcame that sickness, they overcame that disease, and they then put their whole life into bringing it to others. See, the same principle happened around the Israelites as they crossed over into the uh, desert. They crossed over the Red Sea. They had the pillar of fire for warmth at night. They had the cloud over them during the day to keep the sun off them. They had mannum provided for them day and night, fresh mannum. Their clothes didn't deteriorate. They were incredible, incredibly healthy. None of them got ill. Until when? When was that lifted off them? Till they got to the promised land. Then all of that protection came off them. And now they had to fight. They had to go into those nations and defeat them. And we, we can pick up, you can read the whole story of that. But God lowered the hedge over two and a half million people. But in this, they had to cross over. The satanic opposition increased. There were giants in the land. But you know what else there was there? There was incredible fruit. There was incredible milk. There was incredible honey. There was in all these promises. But also God said this, possess the land. Possess the land and make it yours. And they're still fighting for that land today. Israel is still fighting for that land today. Wonder why it is most spiritually the battled environment. It never stopped. The fight never stopped when they went over. They're still taking it because they weren't obedient to God. I don't want to go through what they've gone through. (laughs) The Israelites, the Jews. You see, this is like a prophetic picture. This is why David had a revelation of this. David had a revelation where he talked about the stirring up. An eagle will stir up its nest. Have you ever thought what that means? When the eagle mother looks at its chicks saying, you're going to have to fly for yourself now. You're going to have to get out of your nest So what the mother did, it used to rake up the nest and all the prickles used to come through and all the brambles used to poke up. So when the chicks sat down, they think, ooh, this isn't so comfortable to sit here. I want to get out. And it's to stir the chicks up to fly, to make its own way in life. And that's what, it's the same principle. David had this revelation that God sometimes stirs up our nest 
and makes it uncomfortable so that we have to step out and fight and fly. But God does this, tells us to put on the armour, to do two things. It's to help us grow up. That's number one. The second thing is, is to help us learn how to handle opposition and difficult situations. We must put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the helmet of salvation, the feet of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. We must put on this armor. We've got to. Every day, we should be putting on this armor daily. Daily. Because you know what? Satan. You see, Satan's power seemed to have just increased around the world. And God is waiting for the man-child to grow up and be in opposition to this. There is going to be a battle of light and dark. I can just see lights going on over us in the spirit now. There are lights going on over people. You are going to be the counter against the counterfeit. You're going to bring the truth and the light into people's lives when the light comes into your life. You can't do it unless you've got this. And God is going to raise up a body of people. So we have got to put the whole armour of God that we are able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. We're told four times to stand. We have to grow up and know the ways of Satan. And especially how to combat the occult. We've got to. We have got to grow up. Most of the church have not no idea that there are witches' covens come against us and set up against us. No idea. But God is telling us to put on the armour. I believe God is telling this church to put on the armour because we're about to go on the offensive. Doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make you feel, well, hey, I'm in the fight now? If we have no armour on, or we take off part of this armour, we'll be taken out. We'll be taken out. We won't survive. If in this day now, if we don't have the armour of God on, we will not survive these days. That's what the Lord spoke to me about. If we do not put this armour on, we will not survive. If we do not learn how to move and walk in the Spirit, we will be taken out and we won't survive. I'm going to deal with the, the feet. Joshua, can you take that to the back, please? We're going to deal with the feet. The feet are shod with peace. Now, I always read this. It's the peace of the gospel. I always thought that the feet were designed to walk and take the gospel. It's not talking about that. What peace is it talking about? Your peace and my peace. If we are not at peace with ourselves and with God, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. I've already mentioned, you know, if we don't have peace, then we're no earthly good and we're certainly no heavenly good. 
I'll say that again. If we don't have peace in our lives, we're no heavenly good or earthly good. We're no good. How many people here have had their peace disrupted over a year, over, over the, this last year, two years? I honestly felt at Christmas I couldn't stand anymore. I was so battle-tired and weary, I felt I can't stand anymore. And just this week, just, just this week, you know, I've, I've had, you know, disappointing news. I've had things, you know, come against me and, and Heidi, you know, to take our very thing that I'm talking about, our peace off us. Because if you can take me and Heidi and disrupt our peace, he'll disrupt your peace. So, it's vital that we know and learn how to walk in total peace with ourselves with each other, but more importantly with God. It talks about two types of peace. And it's, I'm going to come to the whole word of the preparation of peace. One, 1 Colossians verses 20, it says, because our first type of peace is with God. If we're not at peace with God, we cannot walk. It says from Colossians 1 verse 20, and by him to reconcile all things to himself... By him, whether things on earth or things in the heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. We've got to make peace with God. And it's not just through salvation. It's having peace. And Romans 5 verse 1. There having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So both those verses, there are a number of verses, I only picked out these two, where we have peace with God. And also, folks, look at me. We've got peace with God, but we've got to have the peace of God. With and of. The peace of God. It says in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, I remember as a young Christian reciting this verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and position. Present your, your request to God. And the peace of God. The peace of God. And I've never until this week have seen the relevance of that verse. Be anxious for nothing, it says in the New King James. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I could preach a whole message on that. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to come into that. In the midst of conflict, don't move. In the midst of hardship, don't come out until you have shoes shod in peace. Don't move. Don't come out of your house until you've got peace upon your life. Peace. And I mean total peace. If you have no shoes on, you will walk spiritually in complete blindness. If you have no peace in your life, you will walk in utter confusion. You will walk in circles. You will have fear. You will have anxiety. And you'll, you will be made incredibly vulnerable if you have no peace in your life. Anxiety and fear will take over in areas of your life 
that you're not meant to be anxious in. Keeps mentioning the word preparation with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's it saying here is that we have to maintain our hearts and our minds in total peace or we will make ourselves very vulnerable. If we don't maintain peace in our lives by preparing ourselves, taking time to prepare ourselves to stand up and walk out, then we will, if we don't maintain this peace, we will live our lives and Satan will take us out of the battle. We'll end up living our lives for ourselves. The greatest thing on the church in this day and age is fear and anxiety. That's going to increase. It's going to increase upon the church. So if we don't have peace in our lives, we'll be taken out of the battle. We must have peace ruling in our minds and in our hearts. I'll I'll expand on that a little bit. In the end times, most Christians, but not all Christians, are going to be speaking untruth. So how do we discern what is truth and untruth? Where we have peace. Where we have peace. The peace that surpasses our own understanding. To guard our hearts and our minds. That's what it's talking about here. Do you have peace in your life today? And I mean total peace total peace in conflict in battle in war do you have peace in your life today I can look on over this past 18 months and realize that I've been walking with no peace on my life so it wasn't so much of a wonder for me now when I look back on it how I couldn't hear from God I couldn't hear I'm being honest to you. I was struggling to hear the Lord. I was spending time with him. I, I was doing all the things I know what to do. I was thinking, oh Lord, the devil's having a right go at me here. And I, and I, you know, I thought it was, it was either something that God was allowing to happen or the devil was having a right go at me or, or, or I didn't know where it was coming from. I do now know where it was coming from. God had lowered the hedge in my life and I tell you what when I had that revelation yes Lord thank you because you're qualifying me you're qualifying me to come up higher qualifying me to come up higher with thanksgiving it says with thanksgiving if you have peace do you know what happens it covers you It's like having peace as a shield put over you. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Don't be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. Folks, if you you go to bed and you don't have peace, you will have fear, anxiety, and you'll have confusion reigning your life. And also, what you do if you don't have... Listen, this will, this will shock most Christians. Most Christians don't even know this. There is something living in you, and it's called the Spirit of God. 
It doesn't have, it's not born, it's not in you, and it doesn't have the full knowledge of the word of God. You have to feed it. But you also have to protect it. If you don't have peace, and you let the sun go down, where you have got no peace over a certain situation, over something that's happened during the day, or, or the, you know, whatever, you, will, you expose your spirit when you're asleep at night to be attacked. You're responsible for that spirit that lives in you. The same spirit that crucified, that, 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 that uh, raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. The same spirit. And we're to protect it. We're to feed it. We're to guard it. Until what? We come into full maturity. And that spirit has grown in us. And we're totally walking in the spirit. Are you getting this? Listen, if you're not, and you're not in, you know, I will just close shop. I will close my door and I will, I will eat this. I will, I will eat it for my main course. I'll eat it until it's all gone. I will eat it. I'm going to devour this. I'm determined to put peace upon my life, upon my household, upon my job, upon my child, upon my education. You know, I'm determined to put peace in every part of my life. Preparation speaks of something that we have to prepare for. Something that we must do. We must prepare with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and with everything in us for this. To put on the whole armour of God. We should not get out of our beds or go to bed unless we have peace. It's as simple as that. And I'll tell you what, it's going to take a little bit of dedication. It's going to take a little bit of discipline to do this. But if you do this for a month, I guarantee you it will be different. What do we do when we get out of bed? We've woken up, we get out of bed, what, we do, what do we do? Automatically. We prepare for the day. We prepare for the day. We brush our teeth, hopefully. <laughs> we have showers and wash, hopefully. We get out, you know, clean clothes for the day, Hopefully. You know, we prepare for the day. Do you understand me? Then we feed our bodies. We go and have breakfast. We have a cup of tea or coffee or, you know, we don't have cups of tea or coffee anymore so much in our house. But, you know, that's a different story. But, you know, we prepare for the day. So why aren't we doing it in the spirit? Why aren't we taking that time that we make ourselves ready in the physical, why aren't we taking that time to prepare or make ourselves ready for the day? That's what it's speaking about here. Preparation of the peace. We've got to do this. Why? Because we are walking in the Spirit, whether we know it or not. But until you can see in the Spirit, the devil can see you. And he will know in an instant, in the same way the demonic realm will know in an instant what light you're shining, what colour's coming off you, and what part of the armour you don't have. And whatever light you are shining, whatever colour is coming from you, or whatever piece of armour you do not have on, the devil will attack that area. And guess what? It will be days before you know you've even been attacked. And when that happens, boy, are we in trouble. We have got to learn to walk and see in the Spirit. 
but it takes preparation to protect two things, your emotions and your minds. If your emotions are governed by your mind or your mind are governed by your emotions, your heart is attacked. Your brain does not process thoughts. Did you know that? It's impossible for your brain to process thoughts. Impossible. So where do your thoughts come from? Your mind. And if this, just have a look at Romans uh, 12 verse 1, I think it is. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We're going to speak about this in great depth, about the helmet of salvation, over the next few weeks. But we have to protect our emotions and our minds. And I heard Neville say this, and I never, never got my head around it. Never was talking about Leviticus 3, verses 1 to 5, where it talks about a peace offering. I've got revelation on this. Because I've taken time to study what it says in there. I'll read it to you. I'm about just over halfway through. Are you all right on that? Yes? Because I'll, I'll keep preaching until we're finished. Then it's, we'll put it on uh, podcast, and you can literally just pick this up. We're going to produce a manual for this. You know, every, all the notes we're going to put into a manual, we're going to produce it at the end, and then you can go away, because guess what, folks? You're going to be preaching to other people. You're going to be teaching other people all of this. Because unless we are, this is what I said last week, we've got to start picking up the baton and running with it. It's not a time now to be fed, even though I'm teaching. Because we've got to teach others. Leviticus 3, verses 1 to 5, it says, the peace offering. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it to the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. This is the preparation of the animal. And he shall lay his hands on the head of this offering. He will kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Then he shall offer the sacrifice of peace. Offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord. What on earth is this about? It gets even more confusing. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it upon the altar, upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. This is an offering to the Lord. This is first and foremost peace with the Lord. This is our peace offering. But what on earth is it talking about? Fat symbolically throughout the whole of the Bible represents strength. The fat represents strength. So what it's saying here, with all of your strength, do this. With every part of you, strive Prepare and do this. With every bit of strength in you, offer this peace offering. Where it talks about the kidneys, in the Hebrew word, there's another word that's used called reins. 
reigns. And it speaks in the Psalms about putting on the reins. How on earth do you put on reins? What on earth is it speaking about? The kidneys represent our emotions. Put a rein upon your emotions. Offer the fat, which with all your strength, all of your emotions to God as a peace offering. So in every area of your life, your emotions should be at peace with God. They should be at one with God. At one with God. Psalm 7, verse 9, it says, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the heart and the minds. It's speaking about the mind, will, and emotion. God will test us in our hearts, in our minds, and our emotions. We now know that our minds, our will, and emotions can affect our hearts can affect our heart. It affects our hearts. It affects us whole body. It affects us every... So it's going to take a lot of strength, fat, to bring your emotions, your kidneys into peace. That's what it's saying about the peace offering. It's going to take a lot of strength to bring your emotions into peace. But this sacrifice has to be made and then God comes in with his peace. That surpasses our understanding. Peace in both Greek and Hebrew means this. Oneness. Oneness with who? With him. Oneness with God. Oneness with God. And you know what? That word oneness is where we get the, the, the British, the English word, Harmony. Harmony. When we are in agreement we have with God, we have total oneness, peace, and harmony with God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that absolute? And if we do not have harmony, and we do not have this peace, and we do not have this oneness with God, we will have unfear, we will have unrest, we will have dissatisfaction, anxiety, uncertainty, and insecurity in our lives. Romans 8 verse 6, it says... For to be carnally minded is death. If you are carnal, it's going to bring death. Both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, it will bring death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you are spiritually minded and in oneness and harmony with God, it's going to bring life to your body, but it will bring bring peace to your spirit. If we don't have this peace, we cannot find out God's will for ourselves or others. We cannot. We will not be able to discern. We will not be able to hear. But more than anything is, we don't know who's talking to us. Is it us? Is it the devil? Or is it God? You won't be able to discern that unless you have peace upon your life. I'm hearing God so strong now, like I haven't heard him. For two years, in one week. So different in one week by applying this on my life for one week. What will it look like in a month's time? We'll be sharp as an arrow. We'll be able to discern, 
we'll be able to hear, we'll be able to know what the will of God is, we'll be at one with God, we'll have harmony with him, and we'll be as sharp as an arrow. And guess what? He will then take us out of the quiver and release us. But we must start every day and finish every day in peace. And if you have peace, I know now why it says, rest in the Lord. How on earth do you rest in the Lord when everything around you is in turmoil? By having peace. If you have peace, that's what it's speaking about in the Bible, about resting in the Lord. Does this make sense? Does it make sense to you? Is it helping? Say, if, we, if we're not walking in this, we will not survive. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 11. I know it's a long psalm. Bear with me. Verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers. What this, what this psalm is telling us is telling us how to do it. Do not be envious about the workers of iniquity. Don't worry about what's going on. For they shall soon be cut down like, by, like grass. This is coming. This is starting to happen on this earth. And they will wither as the green herb. If you leave a green herb out, it withers. Right? It needs nurturing. Verse 4. Trust. Number one. Trust in God. And do good. Commit and trust all of your ways to the Lord. That's what it's saying. Dwell in the land and feed yourself on his faithfulness. Trust in him. Commit your ways, have faith, and he will feed you. (coughs) Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many people want the desires of your heart? Amen. I want the desires of my heart. And it starts with this. Delight yourselves. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Again it says, commit and trust. Also him. And he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as light, your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Have peace with the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who will prosper you in his way, because of man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease in anger. And forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. You've got to have peace in this. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall not be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth. If you have peace, no matter what's happening around you, you'll walk as meek. You just, you'll have trust, you'll, have, you'll commit, you'll, you'll, you'll just trust, you'll have faith in the Lord. That's walking in meekness. That it isn't anything of you, it's everything of the Lord. And you will inherit this land. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. We must commit and trust in the Lord. As I said, Psalm 91 is a psalm for an end time bride. That's what we should be wearing. That's what we should be digesting. That's what we should be preaching. This is what we've got to do. He who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. Surely He will deliver me yet from the snares of the evil 
and the, pe- pe- and the pestilence, and it goes on. You know Psalm 91. But you cover yourselves. You put yourselves in the secret place of the Most High. He shall cover you. He shall be your strength. He shall be your fortress. Psalm 27 Uh, It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I be afraid of? Christians should not have fear or walk in any trepidation of fear. If the Lord is your stronghold. If you've committed everything about your ways. It says in Proverbs 16 verse 3. I'm almost there folks. I'm on that home straight. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. I'm going to suggest to you most of our thoughts are evil. Most of our thoughts are evil. And I love what Neville says. If we can, as a church, do two things, is love the Lord, love each other, and he says it this way, if we can get to the point where we can neither say something or think something evil about somebody else, the church would just explode. That's where we've got to aim for. Isaiah. I love that. Your thoughts will be established. That means your thoughts will become his thoughts. I want the thoughts of the Lord. I don't want my thoughts anymore. My thoughts suck. My thoughts are evil. My thoughts don't match up to God's thoughts. To yours? To yours? Wow. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Excuse me. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. If you keep your mind on him, you will have perfect peace and keep trusting in him. The word mind in the Hebrew means imagination. If you can only imagine this, start imagining walking in this. Start getting your mind to imagine yourself walking in peace, in harmony, committing your ways, committing everything to you. It will just transform. So what what I suggest is you do a 15-minute peace offering to the Lord every day. And you do a 15-minute peace offering before you go to bed. Your dream life will expand. Your encounters with the Lord will start happening. You will start having visitation. You will start having visions. You will have a renewing of your destinies. Don't be anxious about in everything. Don't be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind, your will, and your emotions through Jesus. The Greek word for cares, do you know what it means? Diversion or distraction. What cares have you got? What diversions and what distractions have you got going on in your life that is diverting you from the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to give you perfect rest in him? Perfect rest in him. Cast off every diversion, division, distraction, whatever it is that's hindering your work with the Lord and your walk with the Lord.
Anxiety, worry and fear are killers. They'll put you out to fight like that. You shouldn't be anxious. I love this. Listen. Take every fear or worry and build an altar and give it to the Lord and trust that he will take care of you. Why? Because he loves you and wants to take care of you. And unless you build that altar, unless you commit all of your ways, you fully trust him, and you don't have fear or anxiety ruling in your life, because the Lord is going to take care of you, you'll walk in peace. This is, a, this is what launched me into giving up my job, these next verses. And this verse, one of the verses that I was given, was given when I came out of my, water, my first water baptism, Years and years and years and years ago, an elder of the church came up to me and said, the Lord has given us this as an eldership. This is your verse. And it's uh, from Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. What things? What things? Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. What you shall eat or drink nor about your body, what you will put on, nor not your life more, is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father provides for them and feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour or single day to your life? Thank you, Joshua. So why are you worrying about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil or spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. When this hit me, I went, yeah, Lord. Little faith, you little spineless Christian. This is me talking to me. Put some backbone into your life and trust the Lord. Give up your job. This is back in Christmas. Give up your job. Will I not feed you? Will I not protect you? Will I not give food for your family? Will I not give you everything? When you are my bond servant, I have promised to, to look after you and provide for you. Am I not your master? You say, I love my wife, I love my child, I do not want to be free, but do you truly want to be free? Do you truly want to be my bond servant? Do you truly want to follow me? Do you truly? Well, give up your job. And peace of God that surpassed all of my understanding came into my heart there and then. Heidi and I, Heidi gave up work. We haven't told anybody. Heidi gave up her business. She does a little bit every now and again because she just feels that she's got to honor some clients you know, that have been good to her, she, so she does a little. But Hardy and I, really, for three years, have been living on my wage. My wage finishes in a couple of months' time. You know, my wage, in fact, is halved, literally halved. So we've been living on my, a half a wage. And do you know what? I can stand here before you and say God has given us more now than ever before. More now than ever before. 
We haven't wanted or lacked anything in our lives. Nothing. Praise God. Praise God. I thank him, I thank him, I thank him. How much more have we got out there available to us? Listen, I don't know whether we're going to be in this building much longer. But I've committed my ways to the Lord. He, I have made myself a bondservant to the Lord. When I send out an offering to Mike, you know, it's going to be hundreds of pounds. <laughs> it's going to, you know, and, and I'm sowing a seed. I'm not saying to you, you know, look at me. I'm living it. I'm starting to live in it. So don't be anxious about anything. Because it goes on to say, therefore, do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. Listen, I haven't, I, I've purposed within my heart. I've got enough clothes in my wardrobe to last me a lifetime. If I can just, you know, buy the odd pair of underpants and socks for your sake, you know, then I'm going to do that. If I have to buy toothpaste for your set, I'm going to do that. But, you know, I don't need anything. Or what shall we wear? For all these things Gentiles seek. Go to Meadow Hall or Meadow Hell on a Saturday morning and watch the Gentiles run to and fro for the, for the latest, for latest this and the latest that and the latest that. Oh, it's... For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things that he's been talking about should be added unto you when you seek him. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day in its own trouble. So don't let your mind drop into your emotions, don't be distracted. And have a division in your life that will affect your emotions. Do you understand that? Don't let what appear affect how you react in your emotions until you're reacting out of his emotions and his mind. When we start doing this, we'll start hearing from God. When we start doing this, we'll hear, but we'll not only hear it, we'll have just clear vision, we'll have clear spiritual vision. We'll have contact with God like never before. We will get into his presence like never before. We will walk in the spirit like never before. And we will walk in peace. You've got to do this, folks. You've got to build an altar. You've got to put a peace offering in it. It's going to take preparation. It's going to take some strength. It will put you back in line with his will. And remember that he loves you and wants to take care of you. Responsibility brings pressure. Talk to me and Heidi about pressure. How many people's pressure we've taken. And more than anything, that can destroy the peace that you walk in. I've determined within my heart not to allow that pressure to get on my life by taking responsibility. You've got to now take responsibility for yourselves. I want to do myself out of a job. Well, I'm not looking after your cares but you're taking responsibility for yourself I will help you if you stumble I will help you and pick you up and dust you off 
In the same way, I hope that you will help me dust myself off. Don't worry, we can clean up afterwards. I love you too. Look, Moses had two and a half million people murmuring at him. And eventually the Lord wanted to kill every one of them. But Moses, out of love for the people, said, no, if you do that, take me. And God changed his mind. He dwells in the most high, in the secret place of the most high, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my strength and my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In conclusion, here's some points. We must start the day with our feet by putting on peace as a part of our armour. We've got to start our day and finish our day. God will drop the hedge and has been dropping the hedge among us until we learn how to stand on our own two feet in peace. His will must be our will. His thoughts must become our thoughts. His feelings must become our feelings. You have to know peace. Start your day with a peace offering. Build an altar every day. Put your shoes on as part of the armour. This is only one part of the armour. Then go out into the day. And only then, when you have peace in your life, put your head on a pillow, put a blanket over you and sleep. Folks, more than anything, cast your cares unto the Lord. Trust in him, commit your ways to him, and you will walk in peace. But you won't just walk in peace, you'll walk in total peace. Father, just bow your heads. Father, I just pray now. Lord, as we've heard this message of how to know how to walk in perfect peace, how to rest in your perfect rest, how to have our emotions completely and utterly transformed with a new mind, a new heart. Lord, I pray, will you protect us from division and diversion and distraction, that we may start putting on the shoes as part of the armour so that we can walk in total peace, so that, Father, we can walk in oneness with you, walk in your light and with harmony. But, Lord, I pray now, with this peace, may we have the peace of God that transcends all understanding, God, our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, and the peace that will help us to grow when you lower the hedge. Father, I pray, let us start putting on that peace, that preparation of peace, of the gospel, of your kingdom, to walk in the Spirit. And the Lord's just spoken to me. He said, pray transformation. Father, I pray for transformation to start happening in our lives today. Transformation in our lives today. That, Father, that we will not just have transformation in our lives, but, Father... We will have transformation in society by the way that we walk today. And Lord, I just pray. Pray now, Lord, that we will walk in this in a way like we've never walked in it before. 
that we will start today to know how to rest in you, to know how to walk in peace with each other, but peace with you. Lord, I just want your peace now to settle on us. And that's what I'm waiting for, just your, the peace of God to settle on us. Lord, I just pray now, what is ever troubling us, that is not bringing us peace, can we now leave it at this altar? I'm just going to give you a few moments to allow the peace of God to settle on you. Father, I just pray that we start focusing on what we know you are doing instead of focusing on what we think you are doing. That, Father, we will walk in total peace with you. That we will start living out John 5, 19. That I can only do what I see the Father doing. I just pray, Lord, that over these next few weeks that we will be a body of people that will have the full armour of God on, that we will learn, Lord, how to walk in all of your ways. just give it to you now Lord we just give it to you all now and Father I just pray I finish with these words I don't know what storms are happening in your life but Father, I just pray, Lord, that we learn to tell that we don't just turn around and say how big the storms that are in our life is, but we say to the storms how big our God is. That Father, we'll be able to tell the storms in our life that you're a great God whom we can trust and commit our ways to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.